0: Hey everyone, this is Joe from Thunk Tank Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us here today on our episode all about the Walking Dead comics. And the reason why this is going to be a bit of a different episode is because both of our normal co-casters, Luke and Johnny Genie, are away. They're out of town. Johnny's actually over in Oregon setting up our West Coast studio right now, whereas Luke is at a music festival in Uh, Well, I don't know if I should say where he is, but he's at a music festival. He's playing in a music festival. He's not like raging or something. Well, he's probably raging, but anyways, they're not here. And neither of them have read the Walking Dead comics, at least not in full. I know Johnny's read a lot of it, uh, but he hasn't finished it. I wanted to talk about the comics, particularly the end of the comics. So if you are a fan of the comics, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. If you're a fan of the show, I think you'll also enjoy it. And if you're not, I think I try to explain it in a holistic way, which is a fancy academic way of saying for those who haven't necessarily read the comics. So yeah, even if you're not a fan, again, there will be spoilers, but I think you'll get a lot out of it because we'll talk about the themes of sort of these apocalypse worlds and what they really mean in terms of how they reflect humanity and uh, human nature in general. So yeah, hope you enjoy and see you in the tank. Attention, humans. This is a thunk tank. Please insert this podcast directly into your nearest orifice for viewing pleasure. Okay, you ready? Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the thunk tank. <laughs> Welcome to the thunk tank. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Welcome. To, come into our. Come into our thunk tank. <laughs> Switch to the other peanuts. <laughs> Welcome to the thunk tank. I'm in the tank. We're thinking. And we're thinking. <laughs> and we're thunked. And we're thunked. <laughs> oh my god. I'm probably more beer than man if we go far enough back at this point. <laughs> So when we talk about zombies, we should take a moment just to emphasize the point that there's a a long history of zombies going back, I think at least a couple hundred years in not just literature, but obviously folklore, where a lot of these types of myths, mythical creatures and whatnot, obviously get started. And then eventually they make their way into the mainstream popular culture, especially during the 20th century, you see this with obviously zombies, right? Um, And in some very classic movies, uh, Night of the Living Dead, up until the present with everything else. And of course, with that, you see an evolution sort of, of zombies in terms of, I mean, if you watch any video about zombie mechanics or zombie types, different versions of zombies online, yeah, you'll see that there's quite a lot of different types of zombies in terms of their Physical abilities or physical capabilities, what causes them to be zombies. You have fast zombies a la World War Z, you have slower zombies a la The Walking Dead. So there's all rooms, uh, or there's all types of zombies and room for variation in terms of, again, how these zombies function and what, you know, even their motivations are. Some zombies obviously can be somewhat more human or retain more of their human characteristics than others. And that was an interesting thing that I noticed in The Walking Dead. I'm not sure so much in the comics, but certainly in the show, how the zombies sort of became less human over the course of the show as time went by. You know, in some of the earlier seasons, there were moments where you you sort of saw these, um, glimpses of recognition of past selves and, uh, being human right it's like there's something still going on in the brain maybe uh or residual brain function that appeals to uh certain memories that people may have had um one of the the scenes early scenes and it's one of the few times in the show where you see child zombies in fact in the comics you don't really see many children zombies either i think that was a very conscious decision on uh creative teams to yeah maybe not be uh, killing zombie kids, if not necessary, or to a specific thematic effect. And there was a scene, I think, earlier in the show where uh, this zombie girl picks up a doll and Rick winds up uh, putting putting the zombie girl down. But th- it's that moment where she picks up the doll where there's it sort of recognizes that there's something still going on with these creatures in terms of their ability to retain some sort of human uh, function or capability or... It's almost more of like a ghostly sort of uh, reference to their past self, right? Anyways, so I just wanted to establish that from the start because I think it is interesting coming back to the idea that we will continue to come back to that. You know, zombies, uh, really, when they're used well in entertainment, uh, there's obviously two ways that you can use them, right? There's sort of the slash and bash gore. Trying to survive against the odds, against the zombies element. That's one version that you can sometimes see uh, see zombies in. The other, and the much more interesting version, I think, is when you see zombies as reflective of humans. And when I say reflective of humans, I mean it's more reflective of what it reveals in humans, in the people trying to survive in the people trying to make their way in within these changing worlds or new worlds whatever and so i think that's really a main and major point of what the walking dead was about whether again you're referring to the comics or the show the comics more so i think because the comics are obviously more complete and uh, in fact they have just completed which uh, that's something i'm going to get into a moment what a shock that is, and and sort of that's going to be the focus here, because I think that leads into us reflecting upon like, okay, well, what was the comics, or what rather, what were the comics really about, and how successfully did they accomplish those points? So yeah, again, as I mentioned in the introduction, there will be spoilers if you are not familiar with the show or the comics. I think you can still get a lot out of uh, listening to what I will take you through and sort of discuss here, because. I think from a literary or thematic standpoint, it's still really interesting some of these ideas and themes, so whether you're a, an avid fan of the comics, the shows, whatever uh it doesn't really matter, I think because i'm gonna I'm gonna get into what what they all really mean in terms of these ideas or these themes, and how they connect to to some other um entertainment mediums or rather not entertainment mediums, but rather. Um, shows or or movies or whatever, where we see similar themes. And I think there's a reason why we see some of these common themes. So, yeah, I just wanted to establish that before we go on. So anyways, uh, yeah, The Walking Dead and The Walking Dead comics recently concluded uh, very much out of the blue. I'm not as deeply into the world of, I mean, some people, uh, they really follow the, the trends and, you know, everything that some of these authors say. So Robert Kirkman is the creator of the Walking Dead comics. I think the first issue goes back, geez, like 15 years ago now. I think it was in, released in like 2003 or something uh, like that. And a lot of people, you know, very seriously, you know, big fans, they follow every word he says. Uh, at the end of his issues, he sort of does a and a He gives some insights uh, sometimes into where – comics, he thinks they might be going. And of course, he, you know, does all sorts of other interviews and that sort of thing. So that over time builds up a lot of expectations over what people think this series will become and how it will reach those points. And there were a few expectations that even myself as sort of a a more uh, layman reader who just kind of really enjoyed the comics uh, was able to pick up on. One of which was that Uh, You know, I don't have the quote verbatim, but it was something along the lines that essentially Kirkman was planning, or at least hoping, to do close to 300 episodes of The Walking Dead comics. And for anybody who's ever written anything, 300 of anything is quite an achievement, let alone 300 issues of a comic, you know, that's that's quite uh, adventurous and quite an endeavor. Um, and I'll get into why I think he didn't get there cause he, he didn't get to 300 issues. I'll get to that later, but, um, he certainly wrote a lot, uh, still, I mean, again, anytime you write something over a 15 year period, that's quite an uh, accomplishment and quite an achievement. So anyways, if we go back to, again, just sort of the original iterations of the comics, just for those of you who may or may not be familiar with them, essentially, yeah, they start more or less as you would expect a zombie comic to begin. Uh, same thing with the show. If you've seen the show, it, it does begin quite similarly. In fact, the show mirrors the comics fairly well. Of course, there's some big differences in terms of characters that exist in the show that don't exist in the comics, such as Daryl is not actually in the comics, um, where he's, uh, he's a big, huge character in the show. And some of the roles are switched, too. Um, Carol, for instance, uh, I actually have a funny story about Carol's character from a few years ago. So I teach writing at a, a university and I had a student once who submitted a paper all about how it was a literary analysis about The Walking Dead comics and it was all about how Carol was the embodiment of female empowerment and feminism and strong powerful woman going against the odds which she very much is in the show at least up until the point I watched in the show more on why I stopped watching the show later but anyways at least the first however many seasons many seasons of the show this was very much the case and however this is not the case in the comic Uh, so the student did a great job describing as per the show how Carl is all of these great things But what I realized as I started, and I was excited, I said, ooh, this is great. I've seen the show. I've read the comics. Somebody's doing an analysis on the comics. I'm curious to see how she highlights those differences between the comic and the show. And lo and behold, her essay was all about uh, TV show, Carol, which might not be the worst thing, except that in the comics, I would argue that she's the exact opposite type of character. Um, She's never able to really handle what's happening and you know again i won't spoiler alert i'm gonna say that just one more time for those of you who may have seen the show and want to read the comics because there are things as again the comics continue that diverge very much from the shows uh so i'll just one last warning with that but anyways i'm not going to go into how her whole character is different but long story short uh at the point that they're in the prison she proposes to rick and Lori, uh who are uh, you know still around at the time that well society's changing and society's different so uh you know i love you guys both so why don't we like have a three-way marriage or something like that and Lori kind of, is kind of weirded out by that and is like nah i'm not looking to do that that's weird you're weird uh you know no, basically. Uh, and Carol's reaction essentially is to feed herself to the zombies in front of her daughter, Sophia. And that's what happens. She dies. I think I think that's how I remember. I read it a long time ago. But I remember that being a striking dis- difference from the strong, uh, who who is in fact a strong character in the show. And so, yeah, the student didn't do well in that paper for misrepresenting the fact that She clearly had never read an issue of the comic and was just basing it on the show and claiming that this was what happened in the comic. Ironically, she wasn't able to cite the comics because what she was saying never happened in the comics because it only happened in the show. So yeah, warning to those of you looking to do a literary analysis of a movie and saying that you're doing it of the book, be careful because your instructor may have uh, seen both or seen one and read the other rather, uh, and they can get you on that pretty bad if you're really misrepresenting what you're trying to do in terms of analysis. But anyways, yeah, so there's a lot of differences uh, that build up over the course of the series. But that's not not the, the main point here. But the main point being, coming back to what I was saying earlier, is that it, it does start as sort of a fairly similar to uh, other zombie scenarios that you've seen. I mean, uh, you do have the element where Rick sort of wakes up out of this coma and He's missed the very beginning of the apocalypse, which is kind of cool because that's where obviously probably many more zombie, um, traditional zombie movies or shows begin where you sort of see the apocalypse happening. And that's really as far as many of them get. It's that sort of initial shock and, you know, everything falling apart, whatever. So Walking Dead kind of subverts all of that by jumping ahead however long. I forget if it's weeks or months or whatever. Um, And and the world's already ended and Rick wakes up into this and sort of has to find his way, find his way back to his family and and deal with all of that. So I, I think it's interesting just from that initial standpoint about how there's something there about, obviously, if a zombie apocalypse started happening, there would be eventually a moment of shock of realization when you realize, like, wow, the world's changing and it's actually changing, right? Because that's always something that you see. Uh, I've seen a little bit of Fear the Walking Dead, which is kind of a parallel uh, narrative to Walking Dead. It's, It's the same universe as Walking Dead, and it takes place, it's a TV show, and it takes place in LA, though, whereas Walking Dead takes place on the East Coast, starting in Atlanta. Anyways, and Fear the Walking Dead is more like that other version where you sort of see people aren't haven't really figured out what's going on they're slowly sort of figuring out the rules and not really realizing that obviously the world has changed for the much worse and they're gonna have to uh deal with that you know you still see this in the walking dead where there's this hope that like oh we got to find help we got to find help we got to get to the cdc or the stadium you know whatever and you know somebody's gonna come the army's gonna come you just get less of that as the series goes on, obviously, because they realize, no, it, it is just us. We are the survivors. We have to sort of forge this new world. And so that's what I really like about The Walking Dead. I, I really, there's something about this realization that things are not how they used to be. And we are the ones who have to make it what it's going to become. And that obviously, you know, involves all sorts of challenges. Um, but challenges that are not entirely insurmountable. I mean, it, it really does, you, you get to see how people can be pushed to their limits, both in terms of how they react to things, but how they recover, uh, how they come back from, you know, certain trials or traumas or, or what have you, challenges in general. And I, I think it's really interesting, you know, there's a, a couple of moments, one of which is reflected in the TV show, where uh, Rick gives this speech this story to his group um, I think it's like midway through the comics maybe I forget exactly when but he basically he has this famous line where he says we are the walking dead and it's this idea that they are you know that they have to sort of they have to do things that you wouldn't normally do I I think in order to survive and this is paralleled at the end uh, one of his essentially his last speech in the comics. It's like the third to last issue or whatever, where he subverts that and says, "We are not the Walking Dead. We we have survived. We have made it. We have forged something new, something different, something something good through this horror and this 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 terror." And I think that's sort of the core of of what it the the comics become about is it is this sort of redemption story and in different ways for different characters, which is something that we'll talk about. Obviously, if you've seen the show, you're familiar with Negan. If you've read the comics, you're very familiar with Negan. And I think he's another character that uh, is a redemption story in its own way. It's a little bit different. And it's a little bit almost sadder in some ways. So we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But uh, I wanted to kind of jump ahead to the last comic because I think that sort of gets us into looking at and really saying, well, okay, w- what was this all really about now that we have the conclusion? And so to start with that, I, I want to just begin by saying, I was totally shocked like many other people online when they found out that the Walking Dead comics ended. That was sort of the headline if you were to Google Walking Dead comics, or even just Walking Dead, you'd see all these news results about how like, oh, shit, you know, the the comics uh, just sort of ended. And I I sort of, you know, it's funny. A lot of times on the podcast, I talk about how, oh, this is like Game of Thrones or that's like Game of Thrones. And I say this about Walking Dead too how there's a lot of parallels in terms of uh, sort of honor and doing the right thing or trying to do the right thing. And sometimes uh, Luke and Johnny make fun of me for that, for saying it too much. But uh, Kirkman himself at the end of the, I think the last issue of the series of the Walking Dead series says how... Yeah, I know this is going to come in as a surprise, but I've learned that the best, some of the best writing occurs when you, you know, you you don't have the audience expecting what's to come. J- just like Game of Thrones, he specifically cites Game of Thrones. So, I- I'm not off is my point in in sometimes making this connection to or these connections to Game of Thrones because the, the Game of Thrones also does or covers many of these themes, and, and in a way that a lot of other good writing does obviously uh obviously sort of not counting season eight the final season of game of thrones i mean you could argue even the last few seasons of game of thrones but we're not going to get into that that's a whole other podcast for another day which in fact we did an episode on i forget what number crap i should have looked that up before i said that anyways we did do an episode a few weeks or months ago about the Game of Thrones ending. So you can go back and check that out if you're interested in our thoughts on that. We have some some good analysis, I think. But anyways, Walking Dead. So yeah, I, I think the ending really does come as a shock because of how it sort of happens. So it, it's easy to say that it's a shock because of how it happens so quickly. I think it's more of a shock because like he said, you know, you're sort of not expecting it as a reader. Um, But in in hindsight, you kind of do. It's almost as if you realize where else could it have gone? At this point in the comics, you know, I forget what point the the show is up to paralleling the comics. And the show has diverged so wildly from the comics that I myself have stopped watching them altogether. Um, So maybe I'll I'll take a moment just to comment on that because I – I think it's interesting that the Walking Dead comics, you know, they they were good. They were interesting for the first 100 issues or so. But I didn't... And I think if you go back to some of the earliest writing within the comics, to be honest with you, I, I don't think it's that good. A lot of the dialogue, it's almost awkward. Like, one of the things I tell my students that is the best thing that you can do when you review your work, no matter what type of writing you're doing, whether it's... Fiction, nonfiction, essay, short story—you know, whatever. Take your pick. One of the worst, uh, one of—I'm sorry—one of the best things that you can do for your work is when you think that you've done everything you want to do. Read through it slowly and out loud, and you will hear unnatural pauses, unnatural pacing, uh, words that just sort of sound out of place. Whether they—it's the choice of word, uh, contractions. Whatever ha- you know, whatever you're you're looking at, and you'll you'll notice some of that. And going back, if you uh, maybe within the first fifty issues or so of Walking Dead, there was a lot of uh, just sort of syntax, word order, word choice, even within some of the dialogue that I just kind of said, eh, that's it's just not it doesn't seem as sharp as it as it could be. But I kept going because it's a very interesting world, and it does it, it improve, and the stories are really interesting. You know, some of the character arcs are very interesting, and they just get more interesting. So, to you know, I'm not trying to bash Kirkman by any means. I think he becomes a fantastic writer over the, over the course of the series. And, in fact, that's one of the things I like most about the comics is how if you start from issue one and you read all the way through, you really do see the development of somebody who becomes, I think, a, a great writer. Um, and the themes are always there, but how he sort of gets them, I think it just improves. It gets tighter, and it gets um, – it gets sort of more impactful as the series continues. So I I think if, if anybody listening is a writer or just interested in the creative process and creative development over time, I think it's a great series where you can sort of see that evolution occur. And that, of course, makes sense, right? I mean, anybody, if I look back 15 years ago at my writing, geez, I would have been yeah, I would have been in high school. Oh, God, I hope I'm better than a writer <laughs> than I was in high school. I can almost say unequivocally I am a much better writer than I was in high school. So this makes sense, right? Of course your writing would uh, continue to improve. And your writing, always can, writing is one of those uh, crafts where you, you never really peak uh, in terms of how good you are at it. You might run out of ideas, but in terms of the actual craft itself. I think anybody who's really putting in continuing to put in effort, you only ever get better at it. Obviously, in terms of how much you improve, that can occur in, in stages that some of which are bigger than others. You know, you figure out one key element in your writing, and that's a huge difference compared to some others. But anyways, you, you can always sort of do more or, or do better. I always joke with my writer friends that uh, I've never actually had a final draft. I can always go back and read something and say, well, what if I do this? What if I do that? It's all about, you know, trying to get the most out of it in the best way possible for that, you know, specific points that you're trying to accomplish. Anyways, I so I really feel like I see this in, in Kirkman's uh, writing over time. And again, coming back to the show, it's interesting how I think the comics only really start to get to what I would consider epic levels of quality at around issue 100, when Negan shows up. That's when sort of, and thematically, it, I, I think there's a reason for that too, because that's when all of a sudden the humans become the real threat. I mean, the humans were all, always a threat, right? Like their, their journey in The Walking Dead, they, so they journey from Atlanta up to Virginia trying to get to Washington, D.C., and they settle outside the area, whatever. Uh, that journey is fraught, both in the show and the comics, with all manner of the worst people You can possibly imagine, you know, cannibals, uh, all sorts of just terrible, nightmarish people. But, of course, your primary concern is always there's dead people trying to eat my brains, right? Uh, By the time they meet Negan, who becomes the arch villain, essentially, of the series. um, uh, That actually just reminds me of the governor, who's very different from the comics to the the show and i actually think that's one of the things that the show did much better and that's one of the weaker parts of kirkman's writing i think was his version of the governor who was almost like a cartoonish you know man yeah she here i'm the governor like type character uh so i wasn't a fan of his character i thought they did a much better job in the show with the governor but that was one of the few things i think they did better in the show because as i said the the writing in the comics gets way better and better over time anyways so when they meet by the time they meet Negan by issue 100 you realize that oh the real threat has become the people and that continues to essentially be the the real threat uh, for the rest of the series and that's when I think it becomes really interesting because again the writing's reached a point where it's really on point and as well thematically zombies are now just another factor in in the fight you know in actually now that i think about it this turning point actually does happen before negan because i'm reminded by the show where um and the same thing happens in the comics where alexandria which is their you know town that they live in gets invaded by just a random horde of zombies it's you know the zombies show up and try to tear everything down whatever and they're hiding in their homes you know worried that they're gonna die and they realize yeah just kill them all we just have to kill them all and that's what they do. They just slaughter, you know, thousands of zombies or whatever. And that's it. And it's that's actually the turning point where they realize, like, oh, this is just something we have to deal with. This is not the the major – it is the major, like, force in terms of threat still at that point till Negan shows up. But it's not insurmountable is the point. So I think that's sort of one part of that turning point. And then Negan sort of drives that home where this guy shows up. And he says, well, I'm in charge. This is my new world, and I'm going to carve it out how I see best fit. And that obviously clashes with uh, the main character, Rick, and his company who have much different ideas in terms of how society should be run, uh, much more... I mean, obviously, they don't have even a perfect system or even a system really set up of laws or order um, that's really, you know, covered in much detail. I think that's something that I would have liked to have seen more earlier on in the comics. But anyways, it's much better than Negan's system, which is, you know, I'm the despot, you know, whatever order to keep people protected, whatever. So there's a lot of themes there, obviously. But again... Um, I, I think that's where the, the comics sort of take off, whereas the show kind of takes a dive um, after, you know, I, I mean, afterwards, you just get such changes in, in the show that are just utterly absurd. I mean, I, I, I stopped watching shortly after that, just because also the, the cinematography and the directing, I thought went way downhill too. like, you know, when they have the whole all out war there, there are episodes, entire episodes where I just didn't know what was going on. It was so it was just so poorly put together. And then I fell behind with the show, and then I was going to get back into it to, to keep watching. And then uh, somebody said, like, oh, there's a big spoiler or something happened. You know, oh, it's crazy. And I, I was just like, well, let me know what happens because I, I've read the comics. So if it's something that happened in the comics, I know it's coming anyways. And if something that didn't and is really stupid, then I probably don't want to keep watching the show. And then, of course, they told me, like, oh, Carl dies in the show. And I said, yep, that's it. I'm never watching the show again. And I forget the real reason why that happened. I think I read something online that, I don't know, the the actor had a scheduling conflict or something, or whatever, I don't know. Whatever the reason, it's a terrible idea. I I remember thinking at the time, whatever the reason is for, for getting rid of Carl, you'd be better off, from a narrative standpoint, bringing in a new actor to continue playing Carl, than killing off Carl. He's so integral to the story in the comics that killing him off is just utterly absurd and i i don't know i don't even know if the show's still on the air honestly i i care that little about the show now i know last time i checked the viewer ratings had tanked i think they peaked at like 18 million viewers for uh, you know all out war or something like that i think it was down to less than half of that last time i checked it's been a couple seasons i think since then but i don't know and i don't care and so the reason why this is so important for any of you who have fallen behind or haven't even seen it is – so the the whole dynamic of the series is this uh, – this, the main character, Rick, who was a police officer and he's surviving in this world with his son, Carl, who's uh, young at the time. I forget exactly how old he is, but he's young. He's a kid. And Carl has to grow up in this world. And it becomes clear very early, I think, in the comics, and I'm pretty sure Kirkman would agree with this, that this is really Carl's story, even though Rick is sort of the main character, because he's the adult, he's kind of calling the shots, making the rules, or at least trying to, and and going through that struggle that we see. It's really about, you know, Rick has to adapt to this world. Carl has to grow up in it. And I, I think that's sort of the big difference, and it becomes his story uh, eventually over time and you see this by the end of this comic series at least exactly what we expect as readers yeah it was carl's story all the time essentially and so the show i don't i don't know what they're doing now if they're doing anything but they they clearly threw that out the fucking window for whatever reason um so uh, that's a good lesson i guess in how to ruin a show as far as i'm concerned but anyways um so this is the point that we get to in in reading the comics where it, it again, it does become his story. And it happens very, very quickly, starting with, I think, the third to last issue. Um, so essentially, uh, you know, I'll just sort of briefly go through this. But you essentially if you go back and you read, you know, starting with the th- I think it's the third to last issue, Um you know, it's it's really interesting because we all sort of knew that Rick was going to die eventually. That there was just sort of a feeling. I think Kirkman again might have even said like, yeah, that guy's going to die. He's not going to make it till the very end. The question was always how and when and why, right? You have to do that, right? You want to do that, right? And I think I think Kirkman did a good job with it, honestly. You know, it's one of those it's one of those moments where Rick dies where you Part of you kind of expects it to be epic, um, or at least shocking, but it winds up being shocking in a much different way. And the way that Kirkman chose to go with it was, yeah, it wasn't a zombie horde that tears Rick apart. It wasn't a big, bad, evil arch-villain like this guy Negan. You know, it wasn't a, 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 a member of his group who he loved who betrayed him. It was this shitty little kid who felt like his mom got screwed out of political power and just... Rick's in bed and he kid just goes in with a silenced pistol and just, just, yeah, yeah, I hate you and shoots him. And to me, that's sort of believable. It, it's like, you know, this is a world where the rules haven't fully been established. Uh, I mean, at that point, Rick's trying to sort of, he kind of takes over this commonwealth that has developed and tries to institute, um, people want him to be like king or to be leader and he says no we got to choose our leaders and i'm not going to be involved in that and so he's trying to do all the right things and he winds up you know dying for it because to do that he has to take away the power from this woman who had been uh had been running running the show and her son doesn't like that and you can tell he's unstable enough where he he. I, to me it's believable that he would do something this stupid because the kid's an idiot and he's also a spoiled idiot and he's been raised that way through this apocalypse clearly. Anyways so I kind of like that I, I kind of like that you know I was expecting like oh Rick's going to go out like a badass and he does in terms of what he was trying to accomplish but the actual act of him getting killed obviously was uh, sort of it, it comes back to anything can happen uh, if sort of the the universe aligns that way and in this case it was like, yeah this you know shitty little uh, crazy kid had a gun and you know for his reasons did that you know you don't actually know if rick is dead until the next issue because uh, i was shocked i was like wait a minute how are they going to kill rick it's issue 192 or 191 or 192 or whatever how are they going to kill rick there's still <laughs> there's still over 100 issues to go to issue 300 so i didn't actually think he was dead um, until the next issue when Carl finds him and this just shows you how far they've come. Carl is shocked because his dad's died and turned into a zombie because in this world when you die, you also turn into a zombie even if you're not bitten. Um, and he, but he winds up shooting his dad in the head. That's the way to kill them. His dad dies again as a zombie. Uh, but Carl's able to do that. You know, the part of the reason why these the apocalypse happens in The Walking Dead is because coming into that situation, I mean, at first, if you saw somebody who died and came back to life, you wouldn't know what happened and they would bite you and then you would get sick and turn into a zombie, whatever. But even after that, people still can't handle that. That's a big part of the series, too, where if somebody you love turns into a zombie, you, you're not going to shoot them or it's difficult to do. And then before you can, it's too late and you've been bitten and you get zombieified too. Uh, But Carl's just able to do, obviously, he's very emotional about it still. But the fact that he can do that and still be emotional is, speaks to his development over the course of the series, right? The alternative is to do that and feel nothing, which is almost as scary, right? To have to live that way. So that's almost very revealing to me as a reader that, he can do that. But to get to that point, you have to build there, right? That's not just a character development that can happen overnight. And I think that's reflected throughout the series. So I, I, I thought that was, that was quite well done. You know, what's interesting is that what happens next is we jump ahead in the series. So I'm thinking, wow, so Carl's going to take over now. Kirkman decided to kill off Rick earlier, way earlier in the series. And I thought, I guess this is going to be Carl's story for the next... You know hundred issues or whatever so i go I go to read the final issue, and it I don't think it tells you how far ahead it jumps, but it becomes very evident very quickly when you see a grown you know almost middle aged man like who was Rick's age um, in the previous issue uh killing a zombie and at that point i and i I realize that the the this man has an eye patch and I realized oh shit this is Carl maybe 20 years from now is I would assume it's probably around maybe a little less maybe a little more but probably around 20 years later an entire generation later right and it clicks then that this is it you know this is the, this is the series it's over and it's it, quite quite shocking and it's also how I sort of expected it was going to happen I always thought that Again, this formula was exactly what we were going to see. Uh, the, the hero of the story would have to die to save something, which he does, essentially. he, Rick, I mean, Rick winds up becoming, in a way, a martyr, but certainly an idol, um, which is reflected at the very end of the story. But anyways, um, so th- th- this happens, and i expect we would jump ahead to maybe carl as an older man or a middle-aged man and he would tell his story of how he survived and how society survived and that's exactly what happens and i like that it doesn't happen in the way that i thought it does happen a little bit more unexpectedly than i thought so i have to give props to to kirkman for that I, i thought that was really well done for that reason um because again it's different but it's also revealing and it's also telling now, I don't want to get into too many details with the final issue. It's quite a long issue. You know, I think it's, it's cool you sort of get a glimpse into this new world. I think I would have liked this new world to have been its own volume of, of issues. Like, I would have liked maybe five or six um, issues of the comic rather than just the one long issue. Because there's so many questions about what has happened over the past generation over the past 20 years. You you are launched into a world that... I, I think you do see how it's different, but it, it, it should be so much more different. I mean, you think about how much can change on a day-to-day basis in a world like The Walking Dead where zombies have taken over. To go ahead... And sometimes there are jumps in the comics where it's like, oh, yeah, it's two years later, whatever. Um, and everything has changed. Everything's totally different. You see that at points. So 20 years is... There's a lot of explaining to do. And again, we get glimpses of that. But I think that's something I would have liked to explore a little more. I think that could have been cool to see that as a full story, because a lot of these characters who were throughout the comics, you get maybe a glimpse of in this final issue. You know, Jesus, I don't even think has a line. I think he's sort of uh, him. I think you see him, but whatever. Like, he doesn't even really get a line. And you can tell there are like stories or plots going on, maybe sort of, uh, but we don't really get. As much reflection on them as I would think would be cool. Anyways, uh, so this world that they open up into, it's very much this world where the zombies are not necessarily gone, but it, it, again, it, it has just become a part of their existence. Um, and this is something that I realized that as soon as it clicked, I sort of understood why he ended the comics, because at the point in the comics that it jumps ahead, the zombies are already pretty much not a big part of the picture anymore because it's been at least several years, if not more. And if they haven't been killed by the surviving humans, they're dwindling in numbers and they're possibly also decaying. And that's only going to continue. So if you know how to deal with them, it sort of becomes a question of, well, what are, what is, how is this The Walking Dead? There are no more dead around. We've secured our our cities or whatever, you know, we have safe zones, we have transit routes now. And it clicked to me that, yeah, that's sort of makes sense. I mean, he's gotten to the point where to do another 100 issues. I mean, unless you turn it into some sort of other political drama, which you could, I mean, there's always been politics involved in this. Um, again, the comparisons to Game of Thrones abound. But yeah, uh, I so I, I kind of respect him for saying, you know, I think this has run its course in terms of what its initial intentions were and, and how we were going to get to those thematic points throughout. Anyway, so in this world, uh, Carl kills this zombie that's on his ranch that he lives at with uh, Sophia, uh, his wife and his daughter. And it's sort of a shock to them um, because they're like, yeah, it should be safe here. You know, we haven't seen a zombie in years. And it it, it kind of goes into this like funny, really interesting plot line about, how easy it is to forget, which I think is awesome. I mean, it's so well done. This is what I was talking about when I said how I think Kirkman, Kirkman's writing has gotten so strong over the years. Because this is something we see with war in general, where we forget how horrible it is sometimes or how much uh, you know people lose in, in certain types of conflicts. And so you see that reflected in this f- you know future plot 20 years later or whatever, where essentially... Uh, Herschel who was a baby was born during the the, the comics uh, to the character Maggie has grown up to become a young man and he has a traveling carnival or, or circus wagon or whatever of the, the walking dead in these cages for, for people to see and one of them gets loose or he lets it loose or whatever I forget. And so Carl kills it and they get into a big argument because Carl, (laughs) Carl remembers, Carl remembers that this is not a joke. These things must be put down at all, any and all costs. And that sort of becomes the plot of that, that, um, that episode. But I I think that's, it's a really, it raises a really interesting question of, of like this argument between, well... You know, that was a threat then, but it's not now. So – and and Herschel's argument is actually that how dare you kill my property? You know, these are my products and I keep them around for a couple of reasons, one of which is to remind people of how dangerous they are, which is an interesting argument and a fair one, I think. Um, but also he talks about how it reminds him of his dad and how he never got to know his dad who was murdered during all of that and it helps him live on whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's this really interesting question of, you know, what is – what, is, how do you, how do you hold, what do you hold on to? What do you let go? Uh, some really interesting themes along those lines. One thing I wanted to talk about as well with this finale was sort of the whole Negan plotline. So, again, Negan, who was at, at a point, at least, the arch villain of the series. I mean, it's really interesting in the comics how he, he sort of does try to redeem. Well, he does try to redeem himself. Whether or not he does is a good question um but and i i understand so basically negan winds up living in this house and you never see him again Uh, carl drops off supplies and carl kind of wants to see him because he says carl says anybody who remembers his dad helps his dad you know seem more real it keeps rick real because they were there and negan and rick had such an odd interesting relationship you know both ends of this power spectrum in terms of like well you know what is good what is evil what do you have to do to keep people safe and to maintain while maintaining humanity Negan's at the more sort of chaotic you could argue evil side of that whereas Rick is slightly more on the the humane side the egalitarian side of that which is fantastic right um but Negan does not show himself uh, we get a glimpse of him at his uh, his wife or the the bat the his bat that he named after his wife the the grave there, but yeah, uh, you, you you don't see him again, and it's it's sort of this idea that I, I think about redemption, where you kind of have have to pay more than uh, it, it's almost it's almost like it's unpayable right which i think is 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 really interesting uh over time you know i'll just read a uh brief panel from it's one of the final panels in the series and it's after uh so carl kills these zombies of herschel's and he has to go to you know the high court or whatever for an informal hearing and they say yeah you know what you're right these should be outlawed whatever uh, long story short, he goes back to his home ranch and he's reading his he, he, he it, again, he's very much like his father. He did the right thing. He talks about how he he would will do the right thing no matter the cost. But whereas Rick winds up paying for his life with that, Carl winds up uh, not having to. And I think it's because his father made that sacrifice. And so again, this is narratively very interesting because one of the or I'm sorry, rather the final scene is him reading this story to his daughter, a bedtime story, about what they call the trials. And the one panel that shows Negan, which is, again, putting flowers at his wife's memorial, essentially, is it's it's sort of it's it's kind of a weird story because it's written kind of is like a kid story time. But it's obviously dark. It doesn't talk about, you know, eating brains or whatever, but it talks about, you know, the nightmares and whatever, doing terrible things. And the panel where they show Negan, this character who did terrible things to try to sort of protect people, essentially. Um, and and, you know that got you know sort of corrupted into mad power in some ways arguably Um, the panel says they started to forget who they were they even started to forget what was good and bad they only worried about living there was no time to follow the rules almost nobody brushed their teeth or went to sleep by their bedtime (laughs) yeah it's kind of a funny way to to sort of um, wrap that up and I think one of the last lines is uh, he says when the panel goes over, it's kind of like a montage, a final montage, and it goes over Rick and uh, Andreas Graves, who was uh, with Rick. And it says, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're there and you're safe because of Rick Grimes. And this is true in that last issue. You sort of see people who love Rick as an idol. There's a huge statue of him in this one you know, city, for example, but also people who don't like him, don't like what he did. But it shows them still, you know, having, you know, enjoying life and whatever, um, and so yeah, it's this idea that nobody's wholly good, nobody's wholly evil, but you can try to do the right things and you can try to do the best things, and that's sort of how it ends. It ends with with Carl with his daughter reading her this this book, and that's that's the end. That's sort of the point that they got to, and so I I say kudos. I, you know, again, I would have liked a little bit more, maybe in some ways, but. I think overall we we get these themes fully realized and rather than drawing it out for another hundred issues, you know, Kirkman, he, he may in retrospect have wanted to do a little bit more with it, but I think he, he did it as genuinely as he intended, or at least that's how it reads to me, which is nice. You know, I, uh, a few final thoughts about that world is I am curious Well, how do they deal with zombies now they do mention how oh yeah there's zombies outside the sectors or whatever still roaming around but I'm curious more like within their sectors how do they deal with them you know like how do they deal with a further outbreak Uh, you know like do you sleep with muzzles on or something because you probably should right Um, there's there's a, a scene where they mention again this would be cool to see expanded upon a little bit like how do they function now as a society um, there's a scene where they, they mention to this old old man, I forget his name, how, uh, oh, yeah, you're getting old. You know, there's a place in town for people like you, basically. And to me, that's kind of like a funny play on the fact that, oh, you're getting old. Like, you know, should you go to like a group community home thing or, you know, whatever. A nursing home or whatever uh, but in this world that version of that would be like oh maybe you know put people Yeah, uh, you get your own room you know you're, you're 80 you can sleep in your own room or uh, yeah maybe uh, I don't know belt your hands together or something when you sleep uh, so you don't if you die in your sleep because you're old you don't wind up scratching somebody that's a real concern that would come up in this world where you don't have to be bitten to become a zombie you can just turn into one right so I would have liked that. I, I'm, I'm curious about that. But again, not a big deal. Um, and, and a few final thoughts in general. You know, I think it's interesting in that final book that Carl's reading from, he calls the outbreak, quote, the trials. Um, and I, I think this says a lot of, the, again, there's a lot of interesting themes. If you haven't read these comics, they're worth checking out. I, and I think much more so than the show, honestly. Um, if you're a fan of these ideas of you know, good versus evil, that line of good versus evil, right? The fact that few people are wholly good or wholly evil. I think this might be a, a good comic to read. If you're interested in what it means to do the right thing, uh, I'm going to say it one last time coming back to Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is entirely about that. You look at characters like Ned Stark or Jon Snow, the idea of, um, you know, the, the former Ned Stark lying about his his honor and having broken his oaths for greater good. That's essentially what he does to raise Jon Snow. He makes an oath to protect his sister's child, which is contradictory to his other oaths. Um, But he does it anyways because it's the right thing to do. Um, I think there's a scene in Game of Thrones where one of the characters asks Jon Snow, uh, would your your father um, do but if he had to choose between honor and family, would he choose honor or family or something like that? And John says he would do the right thing. And that's, you know, essentially what it comes down to. Sometimes you, you do, you are faced with that question where there is ne- not necessarily one good answer, right? There's consequences to any action you take, but it's that question of what is the, what is the good thing? And this comes up with John Snow too, in the end of game of Thrones, one final spoiler alert, when he kills a uh, Daenerys, It's this, uh, I think Tyrion says, what I'm asking you to do is a horrible thing, but it's also the right thing. And it's, I I think that's why we like these shows or these comics so much is because this is something that we still face today, but we sort of lost perhaps the framework for this. Like you don't necessarily, I mean, how often do you take an oath, right? I mean, technically when you get married, maybe, um, but it's not like, I mean, there are religious oaths, I guess. Um, there's, but uh, yeah, would you sign a contract for a job, right? You, you see what I mean? Where it's like, there there are sort of promises you make inherently. Um, but in these worlds, it, it sort of can be sometimes much more explicit. Um, although not so much in Walking Dead. In Walking Dead, there it's, it's sort of just about doing the right thing. And so I think a, a comic like The Walking Dead raises these, obviously, these issues in a much more extreme environment. And sort of, again, with those pressures, with those stresses, asking how can you really maintain that? How can you really um, keep this sense of doing what's right when it's not clear what is right or what is best or what is good? Um, And that can, you know, you can sort of get lost in the dark sometimes with that. It can be very difficult to maintain that, that course towards a greater good. And that's what Rick's sort of guiding light is throughout the series. He wants to bring back civilization, but a stronger one, a better one. And he doesn't live to see it, but it's this idea of a greater good. And knowing that you'll get there, or we will get there as a as a people, or in this case, as a as a species, as a planet. So I think there's a lot of really interesting parallels to the modern world that you can look at with that, but... Yeah, I think for that reason, a really good series. Um, I, I would, I, I might go back and reread them again. They're quite long when you add them all up, but I would check them out yourself if you're looking for something interesting to read, something a little bit different. You know, if you're not into comics or if you've re- if you've seen the show and you like the show at all, comics are better in my opinion, at least over the course, the full course of the comics. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out, and. Uh, looking at these questions that really sort of define who we are and how do we maintain who we are. So anyways, that's all I wanted to say really about these comics. I'm sure I've left a lot out. There is a lot more I could say. I actually have like pages of notes here and I'm I'm not going to read any of those because I think the main points are sort of, uh, are, have sort of been covered. So, uh, I would be curious to know what you think however, whether about this uh, series, about the comics I mean, sorry, about the show about the comics, about uh, anything else really related to some of these themes, so you can uh, you can tweet at us, at Twitter we are under the handle of at Thunk Tankers, that's Thunk with a U so that's at Thunk Tankers feel free to tweet us anything, we have a lot of awesome fans on, on Twitter uh, so we get a lot of feedback there already so we'd love to hear from you there um or you could comment uh on our videos on youtube on i don't know are we on instagram i know we're on instagram but we don't i don't think we post episodes there we post beer there but oh i forgot to tell you what beer i'm drinking oh well i'm actually drinking tea right now but uh there will be more beer next episode (laughs) so again this was something a little bit different Uh, like I said, I, I wanted to talk about this comic series and neither of my co-casters have finished it and they're both off doing whatever gallivanting at the end of the summer. So they'll be back next week though, rest assured. Um, so yeah, hope you enjoyed and we will see you next time. Thanks again so much for listening and have a great zombie free day. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Funk Tank podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, If you want to help us out, please consider leaving a rating or a review wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, share it with people you think might like it. And if you really want to support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash thunk tank podcast. We have links to this in in the episode description and other places. And for as little as $1 an episode, you can help us keep the lights on. And you also get access to a very special drunk tank uh, feed of episodes. So every few episodes, we'll have a few more beers and record an extra 20 to 30 minutes of extra thunky silly uh whateverness so there's a separate rss link you can get from there and if you put that into a podcast player you'll get your own separate feed of only the drunk tanks i think we have about six or seven of them out already and more to come thanks for listening and stay funky